It's Alum Group's Andrea Lay, Packview's Melissa Burdick, special guest Jackie Donowski from Flywheel, and I'm PVSB, also from Flywheel. Before we get to the CPG Guys episode you've downloaded, it's the week of May 13th, and it's time for the Fresh Four. Four curated news stories from the past week. We find them polyhistorically intriguing. We hope you do too. They're brought to you through our partnership with Retail Wit, your one-stop shop for retail industry intelligence and news. Retailwit.com. It's retail right now. Jackie, kick us off, would you? Disney Advertising and Walmart Connect to bring closed-loop attribution to streaming advertisers. Well, hello there, Fresh Boy listeners. Disney Advertising and Walmart Connect have solidified an agreement to bring the retailer's industry-leading audience solutions and measurement to Disney's addressable streaming inventory. The collaboration will enable enhanced audience targeting and outcome-based measurements for brand campaigns across Disney's streaming portfolio, including Hulu and Disney+. Connecting Walmart's customer insights with Disney's proprietary audience graph will help advertisers reach their desired audiences and measure the impact of their campaigns through closed-loop attribution. Thanks, Jackie. Andrea, over to you. Hello, Fresh 4 listeners. NBC Universal and Instacart link up to bring retail media opportunities to TV. NBC Universal and Instacart are expanding their existing partnership to include a new retail media workstream that will enable Instacart's CPG advertisers to connect with consumers via NBC Universal's streaming and linear television content. In late 2023, the companies teamed up to include access to NBC Universal's streaming platform Peacock as part of the Instacart Plus membership package. Now, with this new first-party data collaboration, advertisers will be able to reach consumers through NBC Universal's content and measure the impact of their campaigns by leveraging ad exposure and purchase data from Instacart. Thank you, Andrea. Melissa, what do you have for us? Amazon has announced a new country that they're opening up. Amazon has announced that it will launch a new dedicated website for Ireland in 2025. Currently, most Irish customers use Amazon sites based in the UK or other European countries. The company said the Irish site will mean that users will be able to avoid additional customs charges and currency conversion fees, and it will also lead to faster delivery and returns for many items. All right, over to you, Peter. Welcome to another episode of the CPG Guys podcast. Our co-hosts, Sri Rajagopalan and Peter V.S. Bond, explore how brands and retailers engage with consumers online, in-store, and everywhere in between. And now, here are Sri and Peter. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the CPG Guys podcast. I'm Sri, of course, one of the aforementioned CPG guys back from a week in sunny Minneapolis. Just kidding. Three hours of flight delays due to de-icing, and I got to see frozen lakes and ice fishing in April. What a cool moment. Never seen any of this before. My co-host and friend, of course, is the VP of Partner Strategy and Dev at Fetch Rewards, a mobile loyalty platform. Mr. Bond, today is a very special day. It's the day known as number 42 because it's Jackie Robinson Day. And all major league players, the Yankees, Dodgers, will all wear the number 42 somewhere on the shirt in commemoration, a day that changed the history of our country and made baseball one of our national pastimes. 
Mr. Baum, what do you think? It's an April 15th is, uh, for, well, I'll say this. We're on this April 15th uh, for the Christian faith. It's Good Friday. It's the beginning of Passover for the Jewish, Jewish faith. And for the religion that is known as the Church of Baseball, there is no more sacred day than April 15th. Particularly today marks 75 years since Jackie Robinson entered into Major League Baseball and broke the color barrier. So a phenomenal day uh, for baseball. Everyone, as you mentioned, in Major League Baseball will don the number 42 in Dodger blue, uh, and it brings the entire game together. So I'm really excited about it, Shri. I know that you and I were trying to get to a Dodger game in Minneapolis this week. Due to some rain, we pivoted and ended up going to a Timberwolves playoff game. But uh, in any event, it was a fun to be had by all. And yes, there was still ice on the ground in Minneapolis. Still a little shocking. But you know what they say in Minneapolis? There are only two seasons, winter on the 4th of July. We know what we got this week. You know, but the interesting thing, what were the odds, Peter, that the Timberwolves game would actually have another LA team, the Clippers, on the same day? And it wasn't the LA fans that were out, or maybe it was, I'm not sure. But a week has passed by since the season kicked off. The Yanks and Dodgers are showing mediocre performance improvements over last year. So, But you know what? 155 games to go. Your and my religion is baseball. We'll stay optimistic. The one other thing I did want to point out, happy Easter, everybody. But people like me who are actually from the Hindu faith, for many of us who actually were raised in India and originally Hindu, Today is actually New Year's Day, so let me just wish people mostly from India a happy New Year as well today. All right, Peter, let me remind our audience that all of our content over 190 episodes, a whopping 190-plus episodes, may be found by visiting cpgguys.com. If you aren't already following us on LinkedIn, it's easy. All you have to do is go to a browser, type cpgguys.com, and uh, go to LinkedIn. Or you can go to LinkedIn. On LinkedIn, on the search bar, you can type CPG guys and hit the blue plus button, which is also the follow button. That way you'll get to see all of our content. The best thing about it, it doesn't cost you a penny. Do you know we're in partnership with Next Up? The network of executive women now rebranded in the middle of every Wednesday podcast episode is in an Easter egg with a message from Next Up. Download, tune in, listen. Special thank you to all of you for your 11.7K followers that you've given us growing every single day very rapidly. Peter and I cannot say thank you enough times. It's funny now that business meetings, life, the number of messages you'll send us in LinkedIn, personalized messages, and now even on Instagram, we cannot be more thankful. We've, of course, launched a second podcast called the FMCG Guys, which takes the CPG Guys format of omni-channel digital exploration to the European market. Our friends, Efrain and Daniel, are the hosts based in Europe, and will be talking with FMCG retail thought leaders about the transformation happening on the other side of the Atlantic Ocean. Today, Peter and I are looking forward to a discussion on the changing world of consumer attention and brand advertising. And even though my day job may be in selling, this is my favorite topic, advertising, and I'm going to resist using the words now because we'll have our guests lead us into it. This guest today boasts of a corporate statement that actually says, unmatched data, patented tech, an audience for CPG. I mean, what words? I mean, what amazing words coming together. Understanding what drives consumer decisions about what they buy at the grocery store is what we're good at. 
We offer a unique approach to aligning CPG brands with category-relevant consumers, creating a data-driven connection based upon prior engagement and activity. That tells me there's data in the mix, there's tech in the mix, there's AI in the mix, and there's advertising in the mix. How about that, Peter? Therefore, this episode is in partnership with none other than Ad Adapted, who will decompose what's new in the media world and consumer engagement in moments that matter with targeting. Welcome to the show, the CPG guys, Molly McFarlane, their co-founder and chief revenue officer. Molly, welcome to the CPG guys podcast. Thank you guys so much. I'm excited to be here. And Molly, before we get into the Q&A section of the podcast, we'd love to know the orig origin of how that company name came about. And would you please yeah. first tell us also about where we can learn more and the audience can about Ad Adapted and would you give them a brief overview of what you do for them? Yeah, definitely. Um, so the name uh, just rolls off the tongue, Ad Adapted, right? No, we, we started it uh, about 10 years ago, we started the company. And at that time, what we were seeing was everything about advertising was about to change because of the proliferation of smartphones, like people were just changing how they shopped. And so it's a little on the nose. But at the time, we were thinking, all right, everyone's going to really have to adapt how they think about advertising, adapt how they think about marketing. So that's how we came with Ad Adaptive. Um, but I know it's a mouthful. So we'll, we'll listen if you say adapt or add adapt or all the other things that people call us. But yeah, that's, that's how we came up with it. Uh, I am CRO. So I'm one of the founders and the CRO. That means that I focus on everything from sales, marketing, partnerships, CS, everything that's go to market about our business. Uh, my other co-founder, Mike Peterson, he's CEO and he focuses on the ops and the product and uh, investors and, and everything else there. Um, yeah. I guess that's a good place to start. Thank you so much for that, Molly. For our audience, of course, we'll include hyperlinks to your LinkedIn page, the company page, and everything else you just spoke of in our digital liner notes. Let's jump right in. And the first one, Molly, is actually fairly straightforward. You know, I was strolling you on LinkedIn, and I found out that you've been with Ad Adapted over 10 years. Take us through how this decade has shaped up for you all in the company and uh, how you've become one of the advertising leaders today. How were those early days and then how were those mid-years and where are you now? It's crazy that it's been 10 years. Uh, I think one of the things that, that makes it feel shorter is that the first couple of years, we didn't grow very quickly. So it really was just a couple of people sort of trying to learn what, what we didn't know. Um, Mike and I actually met at a different startup. So he he's the tech genius for sure. And um, I found myself on a lot of sales calls with him because I was director of marketing. He knew everything about the technology at this other startup. And it's 2012 and we're talking to all these marketers and all these advertisers. And what kept coming up over and over and over again was this this tsunami that was coming around smartphones, right? Smartphones were about to change everything. We Mobile had been around forever, but smartphones were intersecting with consumer behavior in a way that, that no one had seen before. At the time, at least the clients we were talking to were really focused on things like formats. So they were focused on, we have to shrink down our website. We have to shrink down our newsletters. We have to think about ads that sort of adapt to these changing dynamic dimensions. But what Mike and I were seeing was something that was that was going to go way beyond that. We were seeing that people were planning, shopping, just doing everything differently because these digital environments were were shaping their behavior. So, for example, all you really had to do at the time was walk through any grocery store and you would see, you know, people walking up to shelf, they'd be looking at their phones, 
They would look back up at the shelf. They would look back down to their phones. They would look at the shelf. They would reach up. They would grab something and put it into their basket. That was huge. And it started with just a couple of people. And then it was half the people in the grocery store. Then it was almost everybody in the grocery store. And the question at the time was, what are they looking at, right? Like, what are they looking at? What's, what's shaping this behavior? Um, back then, it was things like notepad and texting, like anything that people could do to remember what they were going to buy. They were leaving pen and paper at home, and now they were jotting it down on their phone. Uh, but quickly after that, you had app developers that were actually building in list functionality, building in ways for consumers to remember what they wanted to buy later. That was the aha moment for Mike and me. Because what we realized then was every CPG in the country was going to want to know what those apps were that people were using. They were going to know, want to know who was using them. They were going to want to know what they were putting on their list, and they were going to know how to get their products there. So that was it. That's where we were like, oh, my God, we, yes, we, we need to, to get into this and figure it out. But we didn't know anything, right? We, we had this idea. It's that whole adage of, um, you know, 1% uh, inspiration, 99% perspiration. So we had the 1% inspiration, but that's about all we had in, in 2012. So the next few years was just learning. And Mike and I pretty much used every ounce of social currency we had to get meetings you know, beg, barter, steal our way into meetings so we could talk to the right people. They could teach us what we needed to know about advertising, teach us what we needed to know about what CPGs wanted to see from a solution. Um, the big break that we got was 2015. So, you know, three or four years into it, we got accepted to the Brandery. The Brandery was a accelerator down in Cincinnati, um, backed by P&G and Kroger and 8451. So we moved down there, kind of, you know, trial by fire, learned a ton from the P&G marketers. As you guys know, uh, Cincinnati's kind of a crazy microcosm for marketing CPG genius because you have kind of a mid-sized city with a ton of experts down there, and we, and we learned a lot. Um, I'll stop there. Is that – I can keep going or or uh, stop there for the – No, bring it on, Molly. Let's hear where you are today, right? So that's P&G that's in the past and now – how did that lead to where you are today? Yeah, for sure. Okay, so as part of that experience, we got we got exposure to everybody from you know advertisers, the the brand strategists, the creatives, the data and insights people. All of those people were part of this this accelerator experience, all the way up to Mark Pritchard, which was a terrifying meeting if you're you're a fairly new startup founder and you're talking to Mark Pritchard of P and G, but still fun, sort of, you know, inspiring. But we walked out of that experience realizing a couple of things that, that yes, people were interested in what the message that we were bringing to the table, getting products onto the list, but that for it to be a solution that had any value, we had to make it scalable. We had to make sure that the data that we had was differentiated and, um, you know, had actionable insights that, that advertisers could use. And it had to be measurable. If we couldn't pull those three things together uh, into this shopping list marketing world that we were creating, into this getting products onto list, then it would be, it would be for nothing, right? So that's really what we set out to build. That's the crux of what we set out to build. How do we get products onto list and do it in a way that we can service these massive CPG advertisers, bring them something different, and make sure it's measurable? Hey, before Peter gets into the next one, congratulations on all the success. No easy feat. 
when you mentioned getting in front of PG back in the days, I know exactly what you mean. Those guys, those guys know what they're talking about. It was good. It was, it was terrifying, but uh, it's the best way to learn to, to throw yourself into that mix. Hey, Molly, welcome to the podcast. Shri and I are really happy to have you here. Before I get to my question, I'll just comment on, on your first response, which is you get to the heart of the issue that you talk about people walking into physical stores with their smartphones and they're using them to do product research that might could be to learn about the product. It could be pricing. There are a whole bunch of components. But the fact of the matter is all too often people in our industry think that e-commerce is one channel, brick and mortar is, a, is another approach, uh, and there's not a lot of crossover. The, the, we couldn't be further from the truth in that we have to have uh, the ability to connect with shoppers wherever and however they choose to shop. So as they walk through a store with a smartphone, you know, if, if you're if you're a retailer and you're not willing to give them the content they need to make decisions, you know, there's this company out in Seattle that will be happy to do that. And it's on most people's phones. So um, so it's very important to keep that in mind. Let's talk about the value proposition that Adapted offers. Uh, from your perspective, why are you hearing CPJ brands choosing to work with Adapted as a core data analytics and target marketing partner of choice around this mobile platform? I know you work with uh, quite a number of different verticals, but I'd really like to understand why in CPG they are coming to you as the partner of choice in this space. Yeah, definitely. Um, and we focus on CPG. We're just starting to get into some other verticals, but even those are are pretty uh, close, right? They're, they're mostly things that are bought in a grocery store in, in one way, shape, or form. Um, the reason our clients come to us is we're specialists in what we call shopping list marketing. So we partner with the apps that people are using to shop. We only partner with the publishers that we know people are using to shop and are getting close to the point of sale. When we partner with them, we integrate our technology, and that allows us to see the audiences that are using these, these digital platforms, using these apps, and what those audiences are planning on buying. So we get a lot of uh, what we call pre-shop data that's, that helps us um, you know, create strategies to get our clients' products onto those lists so that those products are bought when people are, are ready to transact, whether that's in-store or through an e-com experience. And... To really understand why it's important or why it's valuable to our CPG advertising customers, you kind of have to understand how people are using these apps even outside of AdAdapted. So there's apps out there, you know, and I'll, I'll name some of our partners too, like AnyDo, which is a productivity app that people use to plan their week, but they also jot down the things that they want to buy. They have over 30 million downloads. You have recipe apps like Big Oven or BuzzFeed's Tasty with you know tens of millions of downloads where people are going to find inspiration for what they want to make, but also saving those ingredients to buy in store. Um, you have straight up grocery list apps, things like Our Groceries, Listonic, Out of Milk. These are apps that people use to remember what they want to buy. They jot those things down. Um, more and more retailer apps are starting to pop up too. So all of these are digital environments that people are using to remember what to buy when it's time to buy. Uh, over 100 million people are using some sort of app on their phone to, to remember the, the things that they want to purchase later. And 
when you think about how they use them, it, it gets really interesting. So you guys know with CPG, people don't buy on a one-off basis. It's unlike other products where they might say, you know what? Wow, that's a sweater I want to buy. I'm going to drop everything. I'm going to buy that now. Nobody does that for a jar of you know pasta sauce or or a pack of pasta or anything like that. Nobody does that. Instead, what they do is all week long, they add those products to their list. They add those products to their basket and they'll buy them all in one fell swoop. So imagine, I'll walk you through one of the apps that we work with out of milk. Let's say one of the users um, that has that app is Jane. So again, this is outside of ad adapted. Jane might only shop on Saturdays. She has out of milk downloaded on her phone so she can remember what she's going to buy. All week long, when Jane remembers to get something, she'll jot it down in out of milk. So if it's Monday morning and she realizes she's out of cereal, Jane will open up her phone, open up out of milk and jot down cereal. If it's Wednesday and she's talking to a friend about, I don't know, a new conditioner or something and she wants to try it, she'll open up out of milk and she'll jot down that conditioner name. If it's Friday and she gets an email from school saying her kids have potluck the next week, she'll open up out of milk and she'll add all the ingredients that she needs for that potluck. Naturally, that's what Jane is doing. Now, because we're integrated with out of milk, we see that. We see that Jane's opening her app. We see what she's adding. We know what kind of shopper Jane is. And then so we find opportunities to make sure that we're helping Jane build that basket. We serve her ads throughout the week for things that we know she'll like. When she clicks those ads, she can add it directly to her list. Whether it's inside the app or outside the app, we make it super super easy for her to add. And so when Saturday rolls around, she's walking through the store, whether it's the product she added or the products we added, all those products make it into our basket and get purchased. You know, the key, there were two key messages, Molly, that I heard there. You're the first guest that's actually come on the show and you've actually had the guts to look outside your domain because you started the answer to this question with you're actually looking at apps which are theoretically competitors of yours, which normally no one would want to play in. And you're looking at even scheduling apps where you can bring audience from. The second thing I heard very clearly is you, you're very clear that when someone shops on a weekend or shops on a given day of the week, they're actually browsing all week and adding things to their cart. And therefore, for your clients, you're actually in the middle of the mix every, every single day or every opportunity you have to influence what can go into the cart, which I think is a generally a miss for the CPG industry. So well done, well done on that. Uh, but I want to jump in now away from, you know, uh, uh, what you just talked about, which is your value proposition to the solutions that your clients can expect from you. And what I've learned is you have four different ones, managed service, self-service, and then you're offering platforms. And needless to say, without attribution, none of this would be possible. So if I'm a brand, what would I expect to get started with from you? I'm sure it's not all four of them. No, I mean... To simplify that, everything that we do is around, like the, the main goal that we always have is to grow sales by getting products onto lists or carts that people are using to shop. That That's our value prop at its core. But there's a couple of different ways that you can interact with that or buy that as a brand. So the managed service, that's our that's our bread and butter. That's That's what we've been doing for the past 10 years. And it's really the white glove treatment. That means... All that we need from an advertiser, all that we need from a CPG is some some campaign assets, you know, things like product image, title, th those types of things. 
We will create all the ads, all the native ads, which are customized for every single app that we work with. We will create the programmatic ads that we can use to retarget those shoppers. We will create the you know, search ads that we can trigger at the exact moment somebody is typing in a keyword into their shopping list. We take care of it all. Uh, we do all the targeting, all of the optimization, all of the insights. We work with the partners to get you know, sales lift and incremental ROAS for our clients. Soup to nuts. Shopping list marketing, we take care of you with our managed service. What we realize, though, is there's all these emerging brands or smaller brands or maybe um, retailers that want to do hyper-targeting just around specific stores. And our big managed service white glove treatment is not going to work for them. It's more expensive. It's, it's too comprehensive. So for them, we have a self-serve platform. It allows smaller brands to tap into the power of add to list and shopping list marketing. Uh, it allows them to come in and run campaigns at whatever spend level they want to, uh, but they still have that same value prop of reaching known shoppers and getting their products onto their list so they know they're going to be purchased when that, that consumer is ready to transact. Um, in terms of data and insights, we don't even offer that as a full product right now. That's sort of additional or, or a, you know, added benefit of working with us. We can tell you things like, hey, we see the people that add your product to their list are also adding these types of products to their list. Uh, we can show you trends on where your brand is ranking against other brands that people are, are you know, putting, putting into their planning stages, putting onto their list or cart, um, all sorts of things. So that's our, our data and insights. And then attribution, you know, really nobody lets us grade our own homework anymore. So we work with different third parties, which is a good thing, I guess, you know, it was easier when they, they didn't make us do it, but I think it's a good thing that they, they make us use third parties now. And, um, those guys come in, look at our campaigns and then, you know, help us tell our clients, Hey, this is the lift that we saw. This is the incremental ROAS, which is, you know, se seemingly the most important metric right now. Um, and we do a great job on those too. So Molly, you've extended exclusive partnerships with 36 plus shopping list apps. You're reaching about 110 million uh, grocery minded consumers. I want to double click down on what you said was your bread and butter solution, which is managed service. From your perspective, you know, why is managed service so important for brands to operate in this incredibly huge domain of a hundred plus million users and shoppers across so many different ad platforms? I mean, obviously you have a self-service, but there's something that's particularly appealing about. Yeah. Everything that we do is shopping list marketing. So we're experts on it, right? Well, there's a couple couple things too. So the the inventory that we've opened up in these exclusive partnerships is unique to us and it's first party inventory. Like we own these placements across all the different apps that we're working with. Uh, we have a platform that was specifically designed to access those placements in a way that's scalable, but still making it look like these are native ads, highly customized ads in each one of these high touch shopping environments, which is all the different apps we work with. We also have first party data that is totally different than a lot of the other data that, that brands can collect, right? So it's specific to what people are adding to their list. We have data analysts that are looking at how people write different keywords, you know, are, are, 
little quip is you'd be shocked at how many different ways people spell yogurt. It's, it's kind of crazy. Um, but we can make sense of that. And so when you think about what we're able to do is we have, um, you know, creative team, all they do is think about how to get people to add products to their list. We have a ad ops team. All they do is think about how to use data from the apps that we're working with to get a relevant shopper to add a product to their, to their list or cart. We have, uh, data analysts and and an insights team that can look at all of the different things that we see throughout a campaign and turn it into actionable insights that that brand can use. We can't really just hand that over to be targeted in a, in a programmatic way. You'd, you'd be missing out on a lot of the value that my team can unlock. And that's why there's still a place for managed service. That is a pretty awesome. So uh, I'll take for granted based on what you said, and maybe we can decompose this a little bit later that data and insights is part of the, part of your client partnerships and uh, and your clients are leveraging that in a big way to actually improve what you said Roaz earlier today a reminder to our a reminder to our audience that we're speaking to Mali the CRO of Ad Adapted the leading advertising and contextual target marketing partner Mali what is your specific role though as CRO at Ad Adapted who do you work with? And then how are you working every day on establishing partnerships, not just externally with brands, eventually probably with retailers? And then what about internal as well? Yeah. Well, like I said, as CRO, I'm really on the um, go-to-market side of what we do. So I think about I think about what our clients need and then how our sales team, marketing team, CS team can deliver that and communicate with clients. And it's changing you know, Shree, you know this, right? Like CPG advertising has changed pretty drastically even over the last five years. So we need to make sure that we are speaking their language and providing solutions that uh, are meaningful for them. Another really fun part of my job is the partnership. So I'm working with these inventory partners, these app partners. That's really interesting because they they know things that that we don't, right? They know their consumers. They know how their consumers are using these environments. They know how they're shopping, how that's changing, what they're hungry for. Um, so these guys are experts in their own right. They teach us a ton. That's been really interesting over time. Um, other partnerships are popping up. There's all these third-party measurement partners and data partners that have kind of unbelievable insights. Some of them we know how to tap into them. Some, some are just sort of fun to talk about. Um, but yeah, I, I, as a founder and CRO, I'm in a, a really great position to see a lot of stuff. And it's, it's, it's been a wild ride. And Molly, when you, um, when you work with partnerships on the brand side, is it with the brand directly? Are you still intermediating by agencies? Is it a mix of both? Is it all over the place? It's a mix of both. A lot of agencies. Uh, because... Ultimately, what a lot of brands uh, see us as is a media solution for them, albeit a differentiated media solution, uh, unique insights, unique data, unique audiences, all of that. But uh, a lot of them have already started working with a media team and they, they trust their expert agencies to, to make that buy. And we love all of our agency partners. We do have a couple um, of really great brand partnerships where the brand wants to work with us directly. It is kind of interesting to see the goals and the questions and the things that they want to dig into are a little bit different when you're working directly with the brand versus working with the agency. Um, but I, you know, I feel confident that we're bringing a lot of value to both. I mean, my personal opinion on this is public, so there's nothing for me to hide and I'm pretty transparent about it. 
agencies are still playing catch up in digital. I'm, I'm sorry to say it, but that's my current reality. And agencies are trying to fit, uh, fit within a uh, specific budget, also known as a, AKA the marketing mix. So capabilities like yours have to actually evolve from just a fit within the marketing mix for one role versus, hey, if they can truly track the consumer all week long, hey, it should be all week long and the budget should look different. That's just my opinion. What do you think, Peter? You know, from my perspective, Sri, yeah, they may be behind um, behind the times in terms of their ability to understand this. But you also have to remember that the brands are inclined to want to outsource as much of the media to a centralized entity. And that ultimately ends up being the agency. So I think trying to swip, swim up river against that tide or that current rather is going to be a bit of a challenge. So if you got to go where where the brand tells you to go. If they tell you to go to the agency, um, you're you're probably going to be exerting an enormous amount of energy trying not to go where they're telling you to go. So he's just trying to get his Wayne Gretzky Canadian reference in there. Yeah, I didn't say I'm going where the puck is going. Uh, yeah, in any I, I event, feel it. I feel it, man. All right, let's talk. Let's talk about data for a second here, Molly. You know, in today's world, brands and retailers deal with just voluminous amounts of data. I mean, ridiculous amounts of data, right? So I want to understand where you see Ad Adapted playing a role in essentially using this data to identify propensity signals so that you can serve up the right ad to the right person, drive conversion, demand generation, essentially for a brand without necessarily like boiling the ocean every time. You know, data is one of those words. So we we talk about this a lot. Like I I hate the words content and I hate the words data because they end up being catch-alls for, for God knows what, for everything. Right. And data is definitely one of those words. Maybe it's because we're simple and we didn't have a ton of resources when we started, but to us, data is only valuable if it's actionable. If it is just data for data's sake, it is it is a distraction. And I can't tell you how many startups I've seen sort of, you know, pop up and then die because they had some really awesome data, but they had like this much of it and they couldn't do anything with it. It was just a really cool slide. We we tried to reject all of that. The data that we want is just data that we can use, again, to get more products onto list, get more products onto cart. And the way that we do that is we try to understand our shoppers. I don't need to know who Jane is. I don't need to know exactly where she lives or her social security number or her email. What I do need to know is, is Jane somebody that's adding... I don't know, tuna to her list, because that means that she'll probably want mayo. Is Jane in market for shampoo? And did she add it six weeks ago? Well, then now's probably a good time to get that shampoo in front of Jane again, right? Um, Is Jane adding, what did we see recently? Uh, Confectioner sugar to her list. That means Jane's probably planning a party or involved in some sort of event because that's not something that she's adding very often. Those are things that we care about because they're signals that we can do something with and we can help our clients be smarter about advertising to Jane and getting on her list so we get into her cart. The other stuff, it's just, it's, it'll pull you in a million different directions and there's not a lot that you can do with it. So, you know, I think, yeah, totally. I think you alluded to earlier that ROAS is one of the most important metrics. I tend to gear my head more towards ROI versus ROAS uh, because it's much more such as non-working media and any campaign that you do as well, which needs to be accounted for. And I also, my head is also geared 
towards C, the, the actual CPC paid and whether that's optimized versus just focusing on the ROAS because one can easily win on ROAS just by focusing on brand keywords. Again, depending on the type of ad, right? But all that said, all, all that said, I want to bring us back to attribution. We briefly glanced over it a little while ago when I talked about all your offerings and your value proposition. So can you connect marketing mix to measurable ROI to your attribution capability? And why is your attribution superior to others in the marketplace? So we still have to partner with um, third parties if we're going all the way through point of sale, at least for now. And there's some things that are coming down the road, which, which we can talk about. But right now, what we're seeing, when you're picturing the funnel, we're serving ads to known shoppers, driving awareness. Everybody that's seeing our ad is seeing these products. And again, we know who the shopper is and we know the types of things that they like to buy. Once they click, you're really making the connection between upper funnel, the awareness part, down to purchase intent. Because now we're seeing these shoppers interacting with our ads and saying, you know what? I want to buy this product. I am going from an awareness stage into purchase intent. It is on my list. I intend to buy this. We can connect the dots there. Then we work with third parties to say, okay, we got all these products. We, we showed these ads to these shoppers. We got these products on the list. You tell us what happened in store. So we use a couple of different partners um, that are pulling from different data sets. We have uh, one partner that we use pretty often, but often we'll have clients on the advertising or advertising clients coming to us asking us to use their preferred measurement partner. Uh, but together, we're sort of able to tell that full story, that full story all the way from ad serve to awareness, all the way down to what actually got purchased. And that's how we're calculating ROAS and, and ROI. So, Shri, you were teasing me earlier about the Wayne Gretzky question. Now it's time for the Wayne Gretzky question, okay? So what I'd like to know from you, Molly, is the direction that Ad Adapted is going to next. I'm assuming that it probably has a little bit to do about taking that shopping list and making it easier to get into the, uh, particularly if they're doing e-commerce activity, the digital basket. But I'll let you tell us kind of what's coming down the pike and where you think you have an ability to deliver against capabilities that your clients are looking for related to shopping lists. So we're already in e-com. Um, so we're using the pre-shop data that we see to understand who these shoppers are, what they want to buy. And we're realizing, actually, one of you guys said this earlier, um, that shoppers are not just either e-com shoppers or in-store shoppers. We're seeing a lot, at least what we call hybrid shoppers, meaning someone like Jane who still goes in-store and buys a lot of the things uh, on her list in-store, but is also making a cart in the background, right? So she's also making a cart and going to buy some of the things either from you know Walmart or Amazon or, or anywhere else, Instacart, and getting products either delivered or, or pick up. So we're already doing that a little bit. Where we see the puck going is after 10 years of being in shopping list marketing and watching consumer behavior, there's one truism that we've never seen any data against, right? And that is you have to make it insanely easy for somebody to add a product to their list or cart or they will not do it. And right now what we see is a lot of the solutions out there still have too many steps. I mean, it's the best that we have available right now, but if you're asking somebody to log in or go to product pages or do all of these extra things, every step in that process is going to lead to very significant drop off to the point where, you know, it, it's just not, not delivering a, a great return. 
So we have a couple of things in the mix. We have, you know, one ad unit that we've released pretty recently that we're already seeing increasing performance by like something like 27x just by cutting out one step. Um, but in the background, we're working on some things that we think can go a lot further, cutting out even more steps, sort of turning how we think about targeting on its head and making sure that we can deliver things to list carts really seamlessly. And honestly, that's that's what our patent's around. We didn't talk much about that, but AdAdapted does have a patent. Um, it does kind of set us up nicely for the future, and uh, we'll be leveraging it as much as we can. Should we be talking about the patent? I mean, I talk a lot about the patent. So any- Let's do it. Tell us more. <laughs> so what our patent does is right now we can serve an ad anywhere, right? Uh, like let's say, Shri, if you, if you have out of milk, let's say, for example, and we know who you are. We know what you add to your list. I can serve you an ad anywhere we can find you on digital. So let's say the Weather Channel or ESPN. Sounds like you guys are going to be on ESPN a lot today. And it's, who knows, right? It's for a product that you like. And if I get your attention and you click that ad, we can add that product to your list in the background, meaning we don't have to open up out of milk. We don't have to ask you to do any steps. We know we can connect your identifier. You can click on the ad. We know the product you're trying to add. It can be dropped in the background. And whether you come back in a day or a week or a month, it doesn't matter. That product is there waiting for you. Now, imagine how that can be used when you think about you know, what retailers are doing with their carts. When you think about retailer lists, if you can connect the dots from the world where people are spending 99% of their time on digital and not have to ask them to connect and, and log in and do all of those other things, you can sort of cut out all of the, the drop-off, cut out all of the noise between that ad and the actual, you know, point of sale. So that's, that's what we're working on. That's fantastic. You know, maybe we should have hit it up up top, but here we are discussing a patent. That's pretty cool. Let me let me try to summarize what we heard, Peter, and I love your thoughts on this as well, right? For me, the hello moment over here was right up top, right? When we started talking about a consumer and the experience being all week long, anytime it's meaningful, relevant, and the targeting opportunity shows up for the brand, not just at the moment she checks out, but at the moment she's browsing different devices, et cetera, you can bring all the stuff together. And and she's top of mind in terms of contextual relevance is the best word uh, I can kind of put out there. You are doing attribution, which is fantastic. Yes, you're using third-party data to do it today, but you're very much doing it. I loved hearing that you're part of the marketing mix because, yes, I'll admit it, the reality is unless you're partnering with an agency and you're part of a marketing mix, you're not going to get very far with such a capability because this capability has a big role and it needs to be in that marketing mix budget when it's planned in advance. And the most fun part of this conversation, the patent and what the future holds for you in Peter's favorite Canadian terminology from Wayne Gretzky. Thought, Peter? Yeah, I couldn't agree more, Shri. What I heard was the ability to add from a shopping list directly to the cart to do it with the patented IP they have, which dramatically reduces the friction and to Molly's point, increases the likelihood that it'll actually happen and that a conversion will take place. Uh, and I do want to go back to their managed service business, which what I heard very clearly is, listen, a lot of brands just don't have the ability to manage this at scale. And that's why AdAdapted has offered a meaningful managed service business, because 
it takes all the muss and fuss out of it. You give us the images, you give us the, the content and some targeting parameters. And after that, uh, it's just about delivering the impressions, measuring the performance, and helping brands make decisions about do they want to shift their marketing mix in favor of something that's delivering measurable results. I mean, I think that's as pretty simple as that. Awesome. Measurable results should always be the answer. So we will end on that. So let me remind our audience that you can find all our content at cpgguys.com by going to any browser. And of course, we love that you give us feedback. You tell us what you like, don't like about the show, who gets to come, what topics we discuss, and all of it. One easy way to do that is you can simply go to ratethispodcast.com slash cpgguys, and you can leave us both a rating and a review. The rating tells us if we are delivering for you, the review tells us are we accurate with what we're delivering for you. So we'd love for you to do that. Of course, you're always free to do a LinkedIn message or an Instagram DM and tell us as well. Did you know we had an Instagram channel, CPG Guys? Do check it out. Molly, I can't thank you enough for appearing on the CPG Guys and for also giving us the extent of what Adapted does as well as putting out your patent out there. So thank you so much for doing that. Thank you guys very much. This was a lot of fun. Mr. Bond, of course, all uh, Molly's uh, uh, own LinkedIn profile, the company's profile, as well as all the website details she showed earlier will be on the digital liner episode, uh, digital liner notes of this episode. Mr. Peter, a pleasure doing this with you, especially when we can talk media and we can get into some details. I love that. Shrey, another outstanding episode where we delivered hopefully to our audience an educational understanding of capabilities that are out in the marketplace. You know, the one thing we get comments from our audience more than anything, Shri, is how much education we deliver to them. People who are new to the industry, even people who've been in the industry 20, 30 years, find that we're delivering information and insights that they weren't aware of, and it's a transformational time. So, I know you're as excited as I am to be able to do this for the industry. Thanks as always for the journey. And I'm going to fire up my Apple Plus TV to watch tonight's Dodger game. Celebrate Jackie Robinson Day. Of course. Happy Jackie Robinson Day indeed. And for audience, that's a wrap. See you soon on another episode of the CPG Guys. Content in this podcast episode is provided for general informational purposes only. By listening to our episode, you understand that no information contained in this episode should be construed as advice from CPG Guys LLC or the individual author, hosts, or guests, nor is it intended to be a substitute for research on any subject matter. Reference to any specific product or entity does not constitute an endorsement or recommendation by CPG Guys LLC. The views expressed by guests are their own and their appearance on the program does not imply an endorsement of them or any entity they represent. The views expressed by CPG Guys LLC do not represent the views of their employers or the entity they represent. CPG Guys LLC expressly disclaims any and all liability or responsibility for any direct, indirect, incidental, special, consequential, or other damages arising out of any individual's use of reference to, or inability to use this podcast or the information we present in this podcast.